Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. Pour me, pour me another drink. Cause I don't wanna feel a thing no more. Hell no. I just wanna sip it till the pain wears off. Make them drink strong, cause brother, she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a Make them drink strong, cause brother she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a If she ain't ever coming back, line em up, line em up, line em up, line em up, knock em back, knock em back, knock em back, knock em back, fill em up, fill em up, fill em up, fill em up. Cause if she ain't ever coming back, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone.
Yingling. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you are heading towards that path to the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about they hate how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or feel embarrassed to tell your friends or inner circle, call the hotline at 988 and take option one. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest shows, episodes, and of course, stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest, after 24 years as a U.S. Army paratrooper, as well as four combat tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan, Colonel David Fivecoat retired. He founded the Fivecoat Consulting Group. He now blogs, speech, speaks, coaches, great leaders, and helps develop gritty organizations. He's a native, a native Ohioan, and he resides in Columbus, Georgia. So without further ado, let's welcome David Fivecoat to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, David. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, too. Uh, was, uh, our pre-show, we probably could just went on with that banter for a whole 30 minutes, too especially since uh, we're both on different sides of a post where, you know, people kind of uh, have a good rivalry with, with each other here at uh, Fort Campbell. And now you're outside of Fort Benning now, but you'll always have that Tory in your mind and you're in the back of your head. So uh, thank you for your service and thank you for uh, agreeing to come on the show and chat with us about your story. Yeah. And thank you for your service too. I know, I know you and I uh, were chewing uh, different parts of Afghanistan at the same time. Definitely, definitely chewed some of the same, uh, awesome dirt there and met a lot of great people there and uh, led them to victory. So uh, good, good on you. And uh, thankfully we both made it back whole. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind, David, tell us a little bit about more about your story that I didn't uh, mention in the intro there as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Yeah. So, um, so I, I attended West Point and graduated uh, from there and had some really great mentors Um two guys in particular, Dave Lamb and Guy LaFaro, who had both been in the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, had been to Ranger School, and they told great stories about being in the uh, in the Army and in, in the All-Americans as well. And so that was my whole goal as a cadet was to go be a lieutenant in the 82nd Airborne Division. I managed to fulfill that goal and made it to 2nd Battalion, 504th. Uh, parachute infantry regiment where I was a brand new lieutenant in a uh, also much younger Stan McChrystal's uh, battalion. Nice. Um, and uh, we spent we spent the, my first summer on active duty uh, actually uh, preparing to go invade Haiti. And uh, for a lot of your listeners, they won't remember that. But uh, the 82nd got to the point where we uploaded live ammunition, rigged parachutes, got on planes. And I was taking my platoon to jump into Port-au-Prince. Uh, international airport and uh then we we're going to eventually walk down to the presidential palace and uh, be the battalion's reserve um 
we actually turned around at about the tip of Florida. So we flew almost all the way down there. So we thought um, <laughs> afterwards, my guys joked that it was, we should have called it Operation Just About because we just about got to combat. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, that was my formative uh, time in the Army. And then sort of after that, I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in the Army until it stops being fun. And it kept being fun and a challenge and, and getting to work with interesting people and go different places. And so I went to Korea um, uh, after after my platoon leader time. And then 9-11 uh, happened. Uh, well, went to Kosovo, Bosnia, um, and then 9-11 happened. And then did the three trips to Iraq, including the invasion with 101st uh, and then uh, to Afghanistan with 3rd of the 187. Uh, I finished up my Army career uh, down here at Fort Benning, Georgia. I ran uh, the Army's uh, Airborne School and Ranger School. Uh, for some of your older veterans that are listening to the show, the, in uh, 2013, the, the Army combined Airborne School and the Ranger Training Brigade all into one battalion, so it's now, or one brigade, so it's now known as the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade. And so I did that uh, from 14 to 16 and then decided in, in 2017 that it was time to retire and uh, try try other things. Um, since then, founded my own company, uh, doing a lot of executive coaching uh, with leaders uh, in the oil and gas industry and some of the folks in a West Coast startup. And then also I, I do leadership talks. And I published a book and, and did a couple other things. That's outstanding. That's a journey right there. And uh, uh, the 94, 95 time period for Haiti, I was in 24th Infantry Division at Fort Stewart, just on the street from the down the road there in I-95 from uh, Fort, uh, Fort Bragg, and we were loading boats to go. And because, you know, we had all the, the light, heavy equipment there. And yeah. we got everything on the boat, and we're all ready to go and having all these speeches, the hoorah speeches. And then, all right, pack it up, unpack, and drive it back up to Fort Stewart. So I, I understood the pain there just because there. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it was a fun time. So, we again, that's another cross pattern there. You flew over us probably as we were on the boat. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I was in Korea probably around the same times as well. So, but I, I was probably in a better place when you were. You were probably with the the Manchus up there, and I was down in uh, Kunsan Air Base. Oh, I actually I got Shanghaied onto division to division staff. So I was on Camp Red Cloud, right north of Seoul, yeah. um, and working in the underground bunker uh, that uh, making PowerPoint slides about twelve hours a day and uh, <laughs> six days a week. So it it was not not. I went kicking and screaming to Korea, but it was one of the my better experiences in the army. Um, I learned a lot. I got to live in a foreign country for a year. I tried to experience as much of Korea as possible. I don't know about you, but every day I was, I would, I was big into running at that point in time. And every day I'd go out running, and I'd be like the only white guy on the trails uh, up in the mountains in the state parks up and uh, up around uh, Weejambu, which is the little town where Red, Red Cloud is. Um, so it was the, to me, that was a great experience. And, and I really learned a lot and uh, really, really enjoyed my time there in Korea. Yeah, it's my third tour in Korea, 2008 to 10. I was on Camp Stanley right there in Weejambu. And oh, that's, yeah. when, that's when I did most of my tour guide stuff. And uh, my wife and daughter came with me. So I seen every part of Korea when they were with me. The other two times I was kind of that geo bachelor and did did what geo bachelors do in Korea for a year, either drink or work out. And that's why I did both those tours. And the third tour, though, I seen everything. And then I also went to China and Thailand as part of our jump off trip. So it's awesome. a great country. And like running, we ran the Han all the time those two years. 
yeah. in this beautiful country. Yeah. I did the same thing. Went to China, went to Shanghai, Beijing, and Hong Kong, and went to Thailand on a long weekend. So uh, you and I, you and I use the same travel agents. <laughs> little Apple tours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a great jump. It's a hidden secret. A lot of people, like you said, go there kicking and screaming, and then if you open your eyes, it's it's a great big world out there. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. So you got out. I mean, you were at Ranger Town Ranger Regiment when the uh, integration started too, weren't you? So you were kind of in the tip of the spear when that happened. <laughs> yeah. So so at the the Ranger Training Brigade was selected uh, to run the pilot program uh, in 2015 uh, for the first women to attend Ranger School. Uh, Ranger School has been in existence since 1952, uh, but at that point in time, there were about 80,000 male grads, and uh, no no women had had graduated Ranger School. Uh, so, uh, the army said, Hey, for our, our test case to decide, um, where we're going to go with the gender integration of the, of the army, let's run this pilot program. So we were sort of the focus for the army. Uh, it went on for about six months. We had reporters from the New York times and Washington post and defense one and NBC following along, uh, the whole time. Uh, and so, um, definitely was sort of in, in, in the center of attention. Uh, but uh, the ranger instructors did a phenomenal job. Uh, our whole goal was to run a course that maintained the course standards and held everybody to what we what we called the one ranger standard. So it didn't matter, you know, as you know, uh, PT tests in the Army are, are gender and age normed. Uh, but one of the things that we fought really hard uh, for all the way up to the Secretary of the Army, because we had to get uh, some exceptions to policy, was to make sure that the standard was exactly the same. So everybody carried the same stuff, did the same 12-mile road march that was six miles out, six miles back in under three hours, did the same push-ups, 49 push-ups, 59 sit-ups, a five-mile run in 40 minutes, and six chin-ups. And so there was there was no difference between any 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 candidate uh, that was trying to earn the Ranger tab. And, that, and that's a thing that, you know, those who were not at the school at the time were getting, the I guess, the, the rumor mill were to... The scuttlebutt was getting to put out there or they're changing the standards so they can push them through so they can have numbers but talking to you and i've talked to another instructor it was there and he said there's no there was no change in anything everything was still the same and there was just a lot more people watching right right it was probably the the time that the ranger school had the most uh eyes on it in its entire uh existence uh, the pass rate was actually lower than it had ever been. The typical pass rate for Ranger School was around 50% for most of the 90s uh, and 2000s. And the pass rate of the of the classes around where the women were were down in the 30, 35, 36%. Uh, so the argument that the standard was somehow uh, easier, uh, the facts and the data uh, don't support that. Uh, those three women earned the Ranger tab. Uh, the first three that graduated, that's Shea Haver, Kristen Grice, and Lisa, Lisa Jaster. Um, they earned the Ranger tab. Uh, and since then, there's been another 100 women uh, that have come along behind them uh, and graduated and earned the, earned the Ranger tab as well. Um, so it, it's doable and it's possible to maintain standards and uh, keep things uh, up, to, up to par. And the Ranger instructors did a, a phenomenal job of doing that. As a result, uh, General Milley, who was then chief of staff of the Army, came down to Ranger, the Ranger School graduation. And uh, right after the graduation, uh, he and my Sergeant Major, Kurt Arnold, uh, and, and I had a discussion. And he asked us our opinion. Um, and um, based on uh, on that conversation, he made the decision 
that all jobs and all units would be open to women uh, after that. So that was the Army's position in, in 2016 when, when they had to go in front of Congress and tell them what, what they were going to do. And that it's good that you were there to be at the forefront of that and show that, yes, it can be done without deviating from anything, any of the history of the Rangers, Ranger schools. That's, that's an outstanding thing for you and your entire team at that point. Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, it, it, we knew about a year out that we were headed into Rangers, into doing this pilot program. And, you know, every command team comes into Ranger school or any command and, you know, they want to put their personal stamp on it. Um, Kurt, Kurt Arnold, my Sergeant major and I both made the decision that no matter, unless there was some sort of overwhelming reason to change something, we were not going to change anything that we had inherited because we knew half the world would complain that we were making it harder uh, for women to graduate. And the other half would complain uh, that we were making it easier uh, for women to graduate. And so we said, Hey, look, nothing's changing. We're not going to implement anything. This is a big enough change on its own. We don't need to add our own stamp uh, to Ranger school and, and uh, we'll ride this one. Out. Definitely. I think you guys did a great job in my intro of you. I talked about how you, uh, uh, coach gritty leaders and uh, gritty organizations. How did you get into the the grit? I guess uh, finding grit as a way to combine leaders. Yeah. So so uh, as I'm sure a lot of your your veteran listeners um, can relate to, uh, my path post army has been sort of interesting. Um, I was. Uh, once I found out my company, I started doing some business consulting. I was talking to one of the clients and she was like, Hey, you know, we're about ready to hire this guy to try to teach our company how to be gritty. You're kind of gritty. Why don't you look at his book and tell me what, what you think? And so I looked at his book and I had read, uh, Angela Duckworth's book, uh, grit. She's sort of the, the godfather of grit. Um, um, and I thought both her book and his book, they did a great job describing grit and describing who has it, telling you how you can test for it. But I don't think either one laid out a very good process for how somebody develops grit. So I went back and talked to the, talked to the client and said, Hey, you know, I think, I think there's missing something here. And she said, well, you should write a book. I was like, huh? Yeah, that's a good idea. And so I, I started writing a book. Um, I, I did sort of double dip. Um, I do a blog. I blog, I was blogging twice a week. I now blog once a week, um, but I test drove chapters in the blog because I had read. I don't know if do you know Andy Weir, the guy that wrote The Martian, uh, the the movie that. Uh, uh, so he rolled that book out by chapter uh, in his blog and had all these scientists following it and would take their feedback and go like, Oh no, you got to cut the potatoes up more. You know, they won't, won't possibly be enough or, or, or whatever. Um, so I decided to do the same thing, test drove it in the blog. Uh, the chapters changed based on the feedback from the readers, uh, and, uh, eventually published a book last July called grow your grit. Um, and I, I help people with a process, especially, um, if there isn't a roadmap for something like if you're starting a company and there, you can definitely, you know, find different ideas on it, but um, there's probably only one way that's going to work for you. And how do you figure out that framework that makes you gritty and continues to persevere to, despite setbacks? I mean, yeah. 
Angela Duckworth, my, my first job out of the out of the army, I uh, worked for the Mission Continues, a non veteran nonprofit. Oh yeah. And as part of our professional development, we had her book, and we did like a book club thing. So each week we we do a whole chapter and do it. So that's how I was introduced to hers, and I thought the same thing. It didn't teach you the process; it usually showed you what it was and defined it, but not how to be it. And I thought it was a great book, and I like how you just you took that as a basically the basis and made yours better. So or made it to what yours is now. Yeah. And so, so, sorry, here's the, there's the book. Sorry. I can't get the camera right there. There's the book. Grow your grit. It's out on Amazon. Uh, it's also, uh, on, uh, target.com for whatever reason has picked it up. Uh, oh, wow. and so it's okay. on target.com. Uh, so, uh, target or, or Amazon, you can get it that way. It's not at any bookstores. It was self-published. So, uh, it's kind of small, but, uh, it, I enjoyed it and I think it's been able to help, uh, thousands of people out there that that uh, have read it. I mean, that, that's awesome. That's what it, when I wrote my book last year, uh, I told people if, if one person reads and gets something out of it, it's a win. You right. Know, reach one, teach one, and that person teaches. So you know, yeah. the fact that you're on Target.com, you just got all the the women that that shop at Target every week. They, they'll see your book every day when they go on Target.com. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but uh, I read somewhere that the average book uh, sells 400 copies. And so I figured if I sold, if I could sell 401 copies, I would be above average. So, <laughs> uh, I hope your book has sold 401 copies too. We're not there yet, but it's coming. <laughs> all right. All right. Hopefully I haven't got target.com though. I got to find out how that happens. Hopefully I can get there and I'll, I'll be with you as we go on that glide path. All right. <laughs> so uh, what was your grittiest experience while serving in the army? I'm sure you had some really good stories either from the, the battlefields in Kandahar, Iraq, or even just training right there at Benning. I'm sure you had some great stories. I so I'll divide it up a couple couple of ways. Um, of course, battalion command in Afghanistan, uh, you know, for a full year was an incredibly gritty uh, time. You know, you're fighting against a thinking enemy uh, that you don't know what they're going to do. Uh, we moved. We were in Paktika. Uh, the western half of Paktika province for the first uh, six months. And then we picked up and we moved over to Ghazni uh, for the second six months. Uh, the first six months I was working for my brigade headquarters. Second six months uh, we were working for the Polish brigade. Wow. And so, um, and the Poles were great. They, they, they bent over backwards to try to help us. Um, however, there were some things that sort of fell through the cracks. Um, like for instance, they had MI-24 helicopters. Um, and, uh, trying to get an M in my 24 is a area weapon, uh, and trying to get Polish pilots to do a gun run while they're traveling at 150 miles an hour. And you're trying to talk in English and then get somebody to translate it into Polish and then to the pilot it, with a, a system that is not nearly as precise as the Apache. Uh, we quickly figured out that we needed to keep really good distance if we were ever going to bring in the mi-24s uh on a gun run um and, and so that was one of the things i wish we had had a more american helicopter uh support um we could we could manage to get helicopters about once every two weeks and oh. a couple of friends kind of did some things that they weren't supposed to but uh they we weren't supposed to have dedicated helicopter support because the poles had the helicopter support so 
Uh, but that's, that's the fun of coalition warfare, right? Yes, you got to dig deep in situations like that, too. I can imagine calling that in and having to, to duck and hope that he's, he's hitting the right thing and not hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's a that's a pretty good story right there. Yeah. And that man, at the same time we were we were in the south. I think we had all the air support in the south there in Kandahar at that same time. So we had all the American power. You had the coalition. Right. Right. Uh, the second, you know, the second most challenging was leading Ranger School, uh, which required all my grit and perseverance. Uh, there were all kinds of naysayers uh, out there uh, and critics. Uh, no one was really satisfied uh, by, by it, but we tried to do the best job possible. Uh, we tried one of our goals, in addition to the one Ranger standard, was to be as transparent as possible uh, because we felt like we didn't want it to go into a black box and then sort of come out the other side and people wonder what really happened or didn't happen. And so we tried to be as transparent as possible. Uh, that may have added to the more um, uh, uh, rumors and innuendos. My, my favorite rumor out of the whole Ranger School story is uh, some guy criticized this on Facebook and he's like, oh, the, you know, the women don't look skinny enough down in Florida. Um, so you guys must have, you must not have put the women through ranger school. You, you, this whole thing is being done in a warehouse in front of a green screen, just like the moon landings. Oh my gosh. And we were like, uh, I'm not sure how we respond to that one, but, uh, <laughs> that was sort of the rumors and innuendos that we were, we, we were dealing with. And so, um, we tried to inject facts into those discussions and had a great Sergeant Major that liked to get on Facebook and, and put out uh, some of the facts uh, behind what was going on. I did. Well, one other funny story. Um, uh, so you're familiar with the duffel blog, right? Yes. So I, I did get uh, parodied in the duffel blog twice. Oh, wow. Uh, the first one uh, was that the duffel blog said that I was going to add the pickle jar opening test to be a graduation uh, requirement from Ranger School, uh, which I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny. You know, it's you know, if you can't laugh at if you can't laugh at yourself, um, uh, you know, uh, you need to you need to have a little bit of humor. And then the second one was we had a lightning strike on forty students down in Florida, including one one Ranger who eventually goes on to graduate, but. Uh, he actually flatlined and luckily we had a real 75th ranger regiment medic as one of the students that also got hit by lightning oh, wow. uh but but he recovered faster than the ranger instructors and um he actually did cpr on the ranger student and brought him back and they they all ended up graduating they, they a couple of them had to go spend 24 hours in the hospital but um it was a <laughs> the duffel blog said that God was, was trying to say that women shouldn't graduate uh, Ranger School. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and some of those writers at the duffel blog were actually uh, former lieutenants that uh, when they got out, that's where they started writing. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I said, that makes some sense with their, with their cynicism and their sarcasm on there. So it's pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> So that, that adds to the humor too. So it's probably guys that probably failed Ranger School that wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you now you do executive coaching basically. And yeah. how is 
how when you uh, go into an executive uh, situation, do you use your military background or all your schooling or you just go in there and uh, like a soldier, like when you were in combat, you assess the situation, then adjust as you go? Yeah, so I, I like to sign up executives to do uh, six months of coaching with me. And the first thing that I always start them out with is a, a thing called the Hogan Instrument, uh, which is very similar to Myers-Briggs, but it's designed for business. And they take that. It's a 200-question uh, test. And it gives a pretty good assessment of what their their strengths are, what their gaps are, uh, whether they're introverted, extroverted, uh, what their goals and motivations are. And we use that as a ground, as a basis for the ground level assessment. Uh, the second session uh, typically is a 360. Um, and so we use a, a 360 tool to get feedback from their peers, their direct reports and their, their, their managers. And we use that as a second sort of conversation starter to figure out more about them and, and who they are. Uh, we go from there, and one of the big things I'm, uh, which is in my grip book, is personal purpose. And you have to, whether you're an executive, a soldier, or a veteran, you've got to understand what your personal purpose is or what your why is. And I take the executives through that that process, and they 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 figure out what their most important values are, and then try to figure out a, a personal purpose statement that they can they can live with. Uh, it is kind of funny. I have them test drive it with their spouses. Uh, sometimes their spouse uh, gives them uh, a little bit of feedback uh, that makes it a little bit better. But um, that's sort of where we start off on. Um, and then uh, one of the things that I do that's different than a lot of executive coaches, I call it uh, take your executive coach to work day. Uh, and I actually, I fly to wherever they are and spend a day with them in office or if they are out running, supervising stuff, uh, I tag along with them for a day. And so tomorrow morning I get up at 6 a.m. and fly out to Salt Lake City and meet an executive. And we're driving around to some of uh, his direct reports and seeing him in action uh, for tomorrow and, and, and Wednesday. So uh, that to me gives me a pretty good assessment. And then uh, I ask them to set goals, uh, one personal, and one professional. And we try to spend the rest of the time uh, together working on moving the needle for them and changing whatever it is, whether it's, Hey, I need to be a better listener or I need to be a better communicator, or I need to uh, do a better job of, of developing my, my team. Um, we spend some time trying to, trying to help them get better at that. And hopefully it, it rubs off for them long-term. I'm sure it does. And getting to go to Salt Lake city, Salt Lake city is a beautiful area. And yeah. hopefully you get to see some of the sites while you're driving around to, to see his direct reports. Did some uh, some work out there with the army as well at Tuella, not not just to the west of Salt Lake City. So it's a beautiful area. I'm sure you'll enjoy it up there. Yeah, I, and I get to go into into Wyoming too. Uh, he's got territory oh, in shit. Wyoming, so uh, it's a it's the see the American West tour <laughs> and, and see some beautiful and then some beautiful country up there. So it's a lot different from where both of us are right now. Yeah, yeah. So David, uh, you've shared a lot of insight and uh, your journey can uh, can lay lay groundwork for others to be successful. If you had to talk to a young, uh, probably a high school guy or gal who wants to go to West Point and try to follow, follow your steps, what advice would you give them at that point? And then what advice would you give them midway through their career? Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of challenging. Um, uh, 
so one of the biggest pieces of advice, and, and this is coming from mentoring a couple people, like um, I, I've been mentoring, he's now actually a sergeant um, who ended up enlisting in the army, uh, ended up at, at 3rd Battalion 187, of course, the best battalion at Fort Campbell, and uh, it just it made it through ranger school. Uh, and then uh, just uh, got selected, made it through the uh, SFAS and is headed off to the Q course. Um, the biggest thing that I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm 50 now, uh, you know, that's a 30 year age gap. Uh, but the biggest thing is to try to take one thing at a time. And, you know, you get these very eager people that want to achieve and they're ready to do everything right now. And uh, the, best piece of advice that I've had with mentoring folks of that age and wanting to start things off is, hey, slow down, figure out what the first step is, and then be all in on that first step, whatever it is. And in his case, you know, was first he needed to get through basic training, then he needed to go to, then he needed to go to ranger school. And then he eventually decided on his own to go to SFAS, but um, because he, he wanted that challenge. And so uh, slow the pace, you know, not slow the pace down. Don't be any less aggressive or uh, desiring to achieve something, but lay out your first step, be all in and be successful at that. And don't be afraid to fail too. Cause you know, not everybody passes, not everybody passes basic training. Not everybody passes ranger school. Uh, and so uh, if you really want something, there's gotta be some risk in that. Uh, that. And that, that's part of the gritty sort of mantra. You know, it's not really a gritty goal if you're not gonna fail at it. If there's not a chance of you failing at it, it's probably not gritty enough. So maybe you need to raise, raise the bar a little bit. But for that, for that sort of age group, uh, you know, start off and figure out what the first thing is and, and knock, that, knock that target down then then go on to the next one. Definitely. And I think at that age, a lot of them want that, especially the generation coming up now, they want that instant gratification. So you have to really slow, slow it down a little bit in order to go faster. So slow is fast, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And you go through that and they'll understand that as they get further through, especially going through West Point. When I would get lieutenants that came from West Point, I'd always ask, did you go to college or did you go to West Point? Because if they went to college, they partied the whole time. West Point, they kind of had a, a strict kind of guideline except those days when they were out actually able to do stuff and they weren't doing frat boy things like the guys at the college. So you got a different, different product from the ROTC than you did from the, the West Pointers. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit uh, socially stunted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'm a grad. I, I, I agree. You know, we, we spent every weekend that we could get away from West Point trying to go to, as we call them real colleges and try to get the real college experience. <laughs> see the world <laughs> yeah um yeah so, uh, i was gonna say how about the mid the mid-career guy or gal? uh so the is the mid-career person in the army or have they transitioned into corporate world i say transition into corporate world okay um so a couple things um that are fresh because you know i've been out five years now um the first thing is I probably couldn't have become an entrepreneur when I first left the army and I landed at another company, worked for them for a couple of years, saw some things and it was a great sort of transition. Um, I encourage folks, first off, I encourage all veterans, especially if you, if you have the retirement and you have the healthcare, 
take the risk and become your your own boss and be an entrepreneur. But maybe figure out a job to land in for your first job out of the army that is close to what you want to actually what you actually think you want to start your own company in. Uh, and do that first, uh, because it's there's just some things of the corporate mindset. Like uh, now, as a solo uh, entrepreneur, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I have to do the billing. I have to chase uh, if somebody doesn't pay. I have to, you know, go after them and and be the accounting department. Uh, you know, I'm doing my own marketing. I'm going on blog, pa- I, you know, a podcast to to talk about the company and what I do, um, and, and all those things. And so. It helps to have a at least a frame of reference in another company that's maybe been uh, started uh, for a little while before before you get into it on your on your own. But I encourage the vets, especially if you've got health, you know, if you've got the Tricare and you've got uh, the pension, uh, take the risk and and go be an entrepreneur and 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 see if you can create your own company and create create your own uh, own thing. Awesome, that's great advice and. David, how does someone get in contact with you to either hire you as a consultant or just chat with you like I am now? Yeah, um, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, hit me up. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, that's uh, or hit me up at, at on my website, uh, thefivecookconsultinggroup.com. Uh, there's there's a couple of things where you can contact me uh, off that. Uh, love to love to hear from from anybody out there. Uh, talk to them about uh, standing up their own company. I've, I've mentored some other folks uh, that are that are on the entrepreneurial uh, journey as well uh, and making that transition and uh, hopefully can help them too. Awesome. Thank you. And the website is going across the bottom of the screen right now. So if you see that, you can uh, write it down or screenshot it. It'll also be in the show notes. So you can click on it and find David, uh, find him on LinkedIn and uh, grow your network and help help him help you. So. David, thank you for taking some of your time out of your uh, your busy day down there outside of Fort Benning, Georgia, and to share your story with us here on the Misfit Nation. All right. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. So thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation tonight. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com to catch up on all our episodes and also to get some Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are... You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.